Looking at Russia, we might see it as a country to be studied, as we study other nations of the world. Yet we know that Russia today is regarded as a grave threat to our nation, to our freedom, to the peace of the world. Why so? What makes it a threat? Looking closer, we see a clue. Public display of giant portraits of communist leaders. These leaders, by their actions, have caused the world to stand guard. Here, in Russia, you see the reason why so many nations are building up their defenses. Here, in Russia, you see the reason why we are spending billions of dollars in defense production. Why your family is paying the highest taxes in our history. Welcome to Covert Contact from Blogs of War, where each week your host, John Little, takes a deep dive into the national security, intelligence, and technology stories that are shaping our world. All right, welcome to Covert Contact, episode 114. I am your host, John Little. It's Thursday, so that means William Tucker is back on the show. Uh, we got a couple of cases uh, to talk about this week. Russia and China uh, are on the menu. William, welcome back to Cover Contact. Oh, happy to be here. Uh, need to ask the other foreign intelligence services out there. You guys need to up your game. <laughs> it's getting a little repetitive here. <laughs> Man, it's it's completely repetitive. We joked. We've been joking about the fact that these things like drop the day after seems like they new cases drop the day after we record an episode and what 12 hours after we recorded the last one you know, stories started dropping again yeah yeah i did i i saw two um i think there were some some details or new details i should say on a few other cases that we we touched on so yeah it's uh, never a dull moment here so let's uh let's get to russia first uh, French second lieutenant who was second into NATO. Uh, he was at a base in Italy and apparently caught passing information to the GRU. Yeah. Um, at first, you know, I, I swear there was some sort of, uh, uh, the individual had a connection to Russia somewhere in there beyond obviously being recruited and, uh, passing intelligence. But, uh, yeah, this is another, another classic case. Um, it looks like this was, uh, um, individual just recruited was passing off information we don't know the scope of it we don't even know the individual's name from what i can see um i'm hoping that changes here in the future because this might be uh um a pretty important case and since this was involves nato there's uh um, there's obviously that multinational international component there that um they they're probably going to keep this a little bit quiet let the justice system do its thing but uh yeah, you don't want to spook your allies, and they're probably still doing a damage assessment because we don't know what this guy had access to. But uh, as as anybody that's paying attention to global affairs right now, we know the Mediterranean is a hot spot that's been simmering, and it is constantly heating up. So that this guy was at the NATO base in the Med um, really doesn't surprise me. Yeah, let's talk about you know the sort of the unique risk. Um and threat posed by, you know, the fact that this was, you know, connected to NATO. I mean, you touched on it. 
you know, the damage here is not just going to be to the French, right? Because he had access to, uh, well, who knows what he had, had access to, but, you know, theoretically, he, he had access to information that was, uh, you know, pertaining to other players in NATO. So that's uh, one of many reasons why that would be a lucrative um, or an interesting target for the Russians, right? Yeah, and you know, and that's a safe assumption to say that it would uh, impact other members of NATO. And the reason for that is um, information shared within a military alliance like that is obviously going to be of a multinational military flavor. So that really, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a fair assumption. Um, and you know, you just look at look at some of the things that have really sucked the air out of. Uh, the global community lately and obviously Syria has been going on 2011 you look at uh, Lebanon uh, Libya and now you have uh, Turkey Greece Russia Cyprus <laughs> you name it all uh, engaged in some pretty nasty uh, energy exploration um, yeah I mean this is this is going to be a focal point for a lot of uh, a lot of nations, so I, I actually expect to see more of this, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll see more of it, but it also seems unlikely that we're going to get much more information about about the details of this case. Yeah, um, yeah, which is which is unfortunate because that's uh, you know there's always lessons learned, and I will say that NATO uh, over the past decade has really up there in their uh, counterintelligence game. I know they they founded a few CI centers, and uh, um, I taking a taking a more holistic approach to the problem. So that that at least is a good sign, and maybe this is just the fruits of that uh, of that labor. Uh, we also have uh, yet another Chinese researcher at a U.S. university. You with, don't say. <laughs> you and I both are aware and have talked about the scale of this problem that volume is only likely to increase but this time they caught him destroying a hard drive in the middle of uh, an investigation it's kind of funny because the thing about destroying evidence and if you're caught destroying evidence there's usually other charges there and any jury um, that, that serves on this uh, on this trial is going to look at this and probably lean towards max sentence just because if you're destroying something, what on earth are you covering up? Um, and, and to get caught doing it is, is even worse. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's pretty poor trade craft, especially if he was keeping, uh, keeping that information, uh, at hand that he would actually need an entire hard drive to store that information certainly isn't a good thing. But, uh, uh, again, that's, that's poor trade craft that can benefit the, uh, uh, benefit the investigation if they're able to uh, maybe recover something off, off, off that hard drive. I mean, we don't know that yet, but uh, yeah, it's <laughs> again, if you, if you're in that situation where you get caught doing something and breaking the first commandment of intelligence, thou shalt not get caught. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, you don't keep something like that, that you have to destroy. I mean, embassies do that when in times of, uh, of conflict they go through and they burn everything. But if you're, if you're holding onto that information, man, that's, that's profoundly stupid. Once again, uh, this is a case where there were ties to the Chinese military. And, um, you know, one of the things that they're going after him for 
is uh, concealing those, uh, both on a visa application and, and apparently in conversations with uh, investigators. Yeah, and I've said it before. If uh, if they're part of uh, any sort of communist party, they hold rank, and that likely means that they have some sort of military affiliation that goes with that. I mean, there's a reason why these guys wear uniforms within the party. Um, yeah, so I, I would take it usually at face value if, if there's anything that says um, that they're a member of the party, then they're somehow affiliated with the military. That's just that's just how it is. Um, that this guy decided to try and hide that, commit visa fraud, and then gets caught doing it is, uh, again, um, you know, obviously not a good thing for him. But it's something that investigators have been really uh, keying in on because because it's easy. Um, people don't hide ties like that unless they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. So it's it's low hanging fruit. Um, you're going to get a conviction at the very least. You could kick them out of the country. Yeah, no. and that comes back, and that comes back to disruption. If you can't prosecute disruption, is usually the best uh, avenue available to you. That's what I was just about to say, and you know I want to focus on something else uh, real quick. Uh, once again, we're looking at, as you mentioned, uh, poor trade craft. We've given China some credit uh, for the, you know, the, the massive scale and effectiveness of their network. But, you know, it's clear that, that trade craft um, and security is one trade-off that you have to make if you're going to scale that, that, that widely. Yeah, because you can't trade uh, or you can't train um, a, uh, a collection effort that large. And, and essentially just lay, relying on people's access or those who can gain access and, you know, just siphon it up, send it back home. Uh, you know, nobody nobody's the wiser because nobody's really looking at this too hard. Well, until now. And, uh, yeah, they were able to get away with a lot for a long time. Uh, that's certainly a trade-off there. Sure, it's going to be one that they're – going to be forced to, to reckon with uh, sooner or later. Yeah, which means which means you would likely see an increase in attempts to recruit Americans with access or anybody that has some sort of, uh, we'll call it an industrial base that's uh, worth anything. So that could be anything in the Western world. It can include Russia as well. Um, that, that China will have to start looking at that because their own people are going to be suspect. And that's the situation they've created. Um, so, yeah, it's going to come down to, well, what's the next best avenue? And that's recruitment. And we just had that LinkedIn case of uh, that Singaporean national that was working for China. And he, that's exactly what he was doing. So there's obviously going to be some uh, some shifting and adjusting there. Yeah, and they have the advantage of just having so many uh, folks spread around the world with uh, ties back home and family back home. They have a lot of levers they can pull if they want to recruit someone uh, in another country, and you know, includes uh, includes some fairly nasty stuff too, like putting pressure on a family, right? Yeah, and I know we mentioned Operation Fox Hunt before. That's Chinese so-called um, counter-corruption thing that they're doing uh, but yeah they, they use that as an excuse to to basically lean on people um, and again I, I know we quoted director Ray a few times ago but uh, it's, it's worth repeating that if uh, um, if you do have a foreign government that is threatening you in that way certainly uh, if you're in, in the US the the agency to contact the FBI 
um, elsewhere, you know, you'd have to, uh, um, look at whatever law enforcement is available there and, uh, and make a report. They're going to intimidate you. They're going to try to, uh, make it seem hopeless that you're going to have to do this, but that's really not the case. You, you do have alternatives. Yeah, you do, but it's a, it's a pretty terrifying, um, proposition, right? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, because the FBI can't protect your, you know, at least directly protect your family. Uh, but there are things that they can do. Well, I don't know how much detail we can go into on that, but it's not a, it's not a scenario that they are unfamiliar with. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, they, they have a game plan for dealing with this because, again, this is not new. This has been going on for decades, not just with China, but other nations do it yep. uh, quite aggressively. I mean, hell, there's even members of NATO that do this. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it, it, it's an issue, and uh, uh, they're well-suited to it. Yeah, I mean, even good guys can use cutthroat tactics uh, when, it, when it's important enough, right? Yeah, and especially when nobody's looking. <laughs> even more cynical than i am yeah it's earned <laughs> yeah tell me about it uh man what do you what do you think you think you, i mean are you with aligned with me you think this stuff is just going to continue to accelerate yeah it certainly will i think um i think some of this is obviously born out of the need to disrupt um and and I, so I suspect we'll see see a lot more of that but uh, i think one of the things that uh, we need to start focusing on going forward is looking at uh, those shift in recruitment efforts because yeah. it, it, a lot of times it's going to come down to, to that human element. Um, and I, I know I've talked about the Sinovo case. That's a ex- great example. Um, there's the Chi Mac case, even though he was PLA second department um, in that larger, larger case, there was uh, there was an American that was recruited in, into that ring and um the, the great thing about him is he was an idiot and um, slipped up and, you know, and, and got caught. But you can't always rely on things like portrait craft and, uh, and just stupidity. Sometimes you have to really get out there and uh, educate, forewarn, and do what you can to uh, just remove that, remove that leverage where it exists. So what do you think, uh, from the Chinese perspective, they have to be feeling uh, the additional heat. Uh, at some point, you know, do you think that there's any thought at all about exfiltrating some of these, uh, some of these folks and, and, and preemptively winding down some of this, uh, from their perspective? I don't think they can. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I, I did see that they uh, did exfiltrate some individuals. That's what the FBI had accused them of in this, uh, the Houston in, case. In the Houston case, yeah. So um, it, it depends, I guess, on the individual and what their value is. If it's just some grad student who happens to have access, they're probably going to be on their own. Um, if it's a researcher that's working on something critical, um, has access to DOD grant money, which happens an awful lot. Um, and if you if you don't believe me, take a look at the most recent DOD uh, report to Congress on Chinese military strength. Um, you're going to see a lot of made in America in there, but, um, yeah, so there, it, it really depends on what their priority is. Yeah. And, you know, just to reiterate, if you are that grad student or, uh, even, um, you know, somebody higher ranking that's made some of these mistakes, um, and, and you're watching these cases pile up and you know that you're, you're exposed, like the best thing that you can do, um, is contact the FBI immediately. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, and I know I, I mentioned some sort of amnesty or something that allows these guys to come in and uh, disclose those details. With it's, I could certainly see that happening if, if not uh, publicly, at least privately, um, with some of these offers. But, but yeah, if, uh, if you don't want to go to prison and you're being utilized, certainly call the FBI. I mean, uh, there's, you might have an opportunity to uh, defect to America, which is great because we have freedom. Um, so it just always reminds me of the old joke, come to the dark side. We have cookies, we have freedom. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so there's, there's certainly, there's certainly opportunity to, uh, to, if not dig yourself out of a hole, at least make it a little easier on you. Uh, you know, I don't know if we're at that point now. Um, again, this is going to accelerate and hopefully we'll, we'll hit some point where there is like some degree of momentum and folks can read the writing on the wall and, uh, and, uh, make that call. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, obviously that's a hopeful scenario, but it's also one that isn't exactly, uh, too far from reality. Um, it, it, it does happen. And, and just, it just always reminds me of that uh, CIA psychiatrist. He said a lot of people defect just because the tax man's coming on Monday. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's kind of the same situation that uh, um, right now you're, you're, you're under scrutiny. Uh, anybody with any sort of foreign ties coming in, working, especially like I mentioned, these DOD grants or anything like that, if they have that access, um, somebody's taking a look at you. You can, I can guarantee you that, um, and it's and it would be best just to to come in and have a chat. I can see a lot of that happening, and you know we're just we're just really talking about a lot of cases, just this stuff happening at the university level, but it's happening in so many other um, so many other industries. Well, sure, and I just saw the um, the one one case that I haven't had a chance to dig into. We might have to look at this a little closer, but you, the uh, the recent Tesla case. Um, this one also involved Russia yep. where they're looking at sabotage. Um, so industrial sabotage is still a form of industrial uh, espionage. Um, so obviously there's motivation to trip that company up. We may not know what that is exactly because, well, Russia really doesn't have a competitor in that market. So I would be very curious to see what that is. Uh, yeah. Scott Turbin and I talked about the Tesla case in the last episode and, it's just such an interesting mix of potential here, ranging from you know Russian organized crime, hacking networks, and and um, you know potential. There's no indication of state involvement, but you know, as I said in that episode, when you're dealing with a mafia state, if you're dealing with one side of that, the other side is not far behind. And so, yeah, the fact that it was Tesla and it's such a high-profile company and the IP is so interesting uh, to so many different players in the world. There's just, uh, there's potentially a lot more going on there than you can tell on the surface. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I could, I could certainly see a few things like that occurring uh, well into the future too, just because it's, uh, it, it does work and it's uh, usually doesn't take a lot of effort to pull it off. And sometimes these guys get caught, but you know, what do you really lose out of it? <laughs> You know, there's always going to be somebody there to replace them. So we've been completely focused on China and Russia for obvious reasons. Uh, what other, you know, second tier threats? Um, does anything come to mind when you're when you're thinking about the sort of the actors that are not on everybody's radar at the moment? We do see 
we do see a lot of cyber out of North Korea, Iran, and and part of that is because that's really what's available to them for as far as collection goes. But both of those states, um, they are they are basically mafia states. That's just the way they're run. And in Iran, it's the IRG that pretty much runs everything, despite the despite the intentions of the uh, the Grand Ayatollah there. Or in, in North Korea, same thing. They they run that. Um, just like a mafia state, it's all about personality. So those are those are two that I do keep an eye on, and we do see uh, usually human, human cases uh, out of both of those countries. Another one I would uh, focus on is Cuba. Cuba is um, an interesting threat because basically their target set is North America. Um, so yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, there's not a lot of ambiguity there, and they do focus heavily on human. Uh, and they are very good at it, if not some amongst the best in the world. Yeah, they, um, and they then, always and of course, get over. There's a lot of political. There's political motivations. There's what what drives that. Yeah, Cuba always gets overlooked. Um, you know, sort of in general discussions of this topic, but and it maybe because it's just so so. So, you know, there's such a narrow focus there that, you know, sometimes it doesn't, it just doesn't rise to the level of, um, you know, notoriety of some of these broader geopolitical cases. Um, yeah. And that's, that's certainly it. It's, it doesn't pose a threat that it did in the cold war. Not that Cuba was any sort of military power. It was just geographically located in the, in the right spot and exploited well by the Soviets. And now, you know, without that real Soviet backing, um, they still have their, their, local political concerns and yeah. right now the big dog on the block is still the united states form but they do they do focus heavily on uh mexico uh northern reaches of uh well i shouldn't say northern reaches but uh um much of uh, much of latin america as as a whole um they do but although the collection there is a little different so yeah they're they, they are one that's easy to overlook but i think that may change depending on the u.s attitude in the hemisphere going forward if the u.s starts involving itself more in south america again then that profile in cuba will certainly rise well let's see uh let's see what cases drop tomorrow and we even asked politely just to just to move that up a day and i guess nobody <laughs> listened so yeah exactly pretty sure that russia and china are going to be on the menu again next week but you never know and we may, we may have to just veer off and and dig into some of these more obscure cases because it's getting to the point where especially on the chinese side it's just like these things are just cookie cutter right like it's the same thing over and over and over again yeah and and some of that's just the investigative focus and obviously the collection focus of china it's just you have two priorities clashing so yeah, yeah. that's going to be at the forefront we'll keep paying attention no matter what and we'll keep talking about these cases uh, in varying degrees of detail but uh yeah we'll uh, we'll talk next week i look forward to it You have been listening to Covert Contact from Blogs of War. This podcast is produced, written, and hosted by John Little. Follow John on Twitter at Blogs of War and join the conversation with hashtag CCBOW. Thanks for listening. Uh